Thanks to Beta Brand for supporting Mueller, she wrote. Do you have a to-do list that never seems to end? Running from a flight straight to a meeting, still have to cook dinner for yourself? Beta Brand's dress pant yoga pants are perfect for the office, home, and anywhere your day takes you. Right now, our listeners can get 20% off their first order when you go to betabrand.com slash AG. And thanks to Noom for supporting Mueller, she wrote. Getting in shape isn't about a number on the scale, and Noom helps you develop a new relationship with food, build healthier habits, and feel better about yourself. Sign up for your trial today at noom.com slash AG. And thanks to Best Fiends for supporting Mueller, she wrote. Best Fiends is a unique and exciting puzzle experience unlike other puzzle games out there. Best Fiends updates the game monthly with new levels and events so it never gets old. Download free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. Hi, I'm Scott Dworkin from the Democratic Coalition, and you're listening to Mueller, she wrote. So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That, that's what he said. I, I, that's what I said. That's obviously what the, the, our position is. I'm not aware of uh, any of those activities. I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I didn't have not have communications with the Russians. What do I have to get involved with Putin for? I have nothing to do with Putin. I've never spoken to him. I don't know anything about him other than he will respect me. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. So, it is political. You're a communist. No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist. Hello, and welcome to Mueller, She Wrote. I'm your host, A.G., and with me today are Jordan Coburn. Hello. And Amanda Reeder. Hello. We have so much news today. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got the Roger Stone sentencing. Uh, Russia's attacking our election cycle. I, I sound, sound really excited about that. I don't mean to be. Um, <laughs> we have an interview with Malcolm Nance today. He, he's a super expert at pretty much everything. And... I wanted to thank Oprah and Oprah Magazine for listing us as one of the 15 political podcasts you need to keep you sane through the 2020 election cycle. I've never gotten the uh, Oprah stamp of approval before. Um, didn't even know it was coming. Yeah, me neither. That was a really cool surprise. Um, so thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Mm. Thank you, Oprah and Harpo Productions. Rad. Very, very cool. And um, yeah. All the other pods on there are amazing. I know we're in really good company. Yeah, Preet, very cool. Um, the 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 Preet Bharara one, and of course the Daily and mm-hmm. uh, Vox is on there. Yes, NPR through line, through mm-hmm. line. Wow, five thirty eight. Fuck yeah, really it's cool. We it's great. Like who, what us? There's like we, there's five of us. Okay, yes, but also it's cool because it's just a whole community of people. Like there's a whole that that's just a really good list to just pick anytime you're feeling like. I need more information or I want a different vibe or something. Just yep. like listen to any of those. Yep. And they're all good. They're all mm-hmm. different vibes, but they're all like sweariest individuals. Mm-hmm. We, we're probably, probably the sweariest. <laughs> probably Still. the most dick jokes. My favorite is like, <laughs> listen to Mueller. She wrote, blah, blah, blah. Great. This. It's awesome. Blah, blah, blah. And at the end it says, eh, and if you never want to hear the name Mueller again, check out their daily show, The Daily Beast. <laughs> <laughs> you should only be so lucky. Mueller, Mueller slips in anywhere he can. I know. He's, he doesn't go away. We've got the Roger Stone stuff for you this week uh and i mean people are like when are you going to change your name i'm like let's see what happens in july when mm-hmm. the Mueller materials drop and then we can have a chat about it mm-hmm. that'd be like uh when is uh, slow burn gonna not do a podcast about nixon since that's so old like just stop <laughs> um anyway thank you so much to to all of our supporters and everything uh, webbies are coming up again soon i don't know if we're nominated maybe not i could have just jinxed it if, if we're not oh, it's because no. i just said knocking on the wood knocking on reclaimed wood <laughs> 
All right. Well, we have a lot of news, but before we get to it, uh, we would like to correct ourselves. It's a mistake. It's hard for me to say I'm sorry. Oh, I made a mistake. Okay, from Celeste Stickney. I uh, love the show. I wake up and listen first thing every morning. Um, wake and beans. It doesn't rhyme. <laughs> Can't put it in a bong. Dreams and beans. Nope, that doesn't. Dreams and beans. <laughs> it's the dumbest thing I've ever said in my life. <laughs> I just should have my comedy card revoked for that. <laughs> Dreams and beans, my friends. Um, this isn't a correction, she says, but I wanted to give you all some insight on liberals in Texas. It's not a red state. It's a non-voting state. Unfortunately, everyone here for decades has been led to believe Democratic votes don't matter because of gerrymandering and the very vocal conservatives in the state. Beto did so well because we actually felt hope for once, which also explains why so many of us support Bernie. Keep up the good reporting. Thank you for all you're doing. All right, cool. Awesome you. and shitty. Sorry that that's the state of that state. Yeah. That really but sucks. I think they know now. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Republicans are in trouble. <laughs> From Matt and also Stephanie Lynch, Tibbetts, uh, Addie Bressler, Chris Winters, and Martin Brosnan. Thank you for putting this show out. I've loved it since I started listening, what feels like years ago. You mentioned that Texas has the legal right to secede, which is incorrect. Prior to the Civil War in 1861, Texas did vote to secede, but it was never approved by the governor at the time. A Supreme Court case, Texas v. White, decided that Texas set precedent that no state is allowed to secede when they want to. More information here. And then they put uh, Britannica.com slash event slash Texas v. White. That's nice. That's Thank some you. good emotional stability. It's a Texas-heavy correction segment, you guys. It is Texas-heavy. <laughs> yes, it's very Texas-heavy today. We Texas messed. came out in force. We messed. We, we did. did. We messed we with really Texas. Did, we messed and they came out Texas. in force. And, and I love it. Um, and they say, thank you so much for working so hard on the show. Something I look forward to every morning. You're welcome. From CM, first awesome work on the podcast. I've been a recent and avid daily listener. You guys are the light in my morning commute, even when the news can be pretty dark. I wanted to drop a few lines about Monday's episode. As a native Texan uh, who has lived and worked all over, I find myself correcting t Texas stereotypes. No, we don't all ride horses to school. No, we aren't all red on the map. Houston is the most diverse metropolis in America. It if resettles more it resettles more refugees than any other uh, in the country. Austin is not our only liberal enclave. Our major cities, Houston, Dallas, San Antonio, El Paso, are all blue as well as our southern border. I promise we got a lot more to show in the way of open-mindedness, embracement of diversity, and liberal and independent thinking. Don't write us off just yet. Anyway, I wanted to say something because I really do admire y'all, and I want you to know there's a lot of hope and friends to be found in the Lone Star State. Let's just get that hope to the polls. Fuck yeah. Wasn't that great? Yes, that's beautiful. And thank you. Thank you for that. Texas I, does I, need to make a, well, they shouldn't have to do it because they're already awesome, as this person is saying, but they need to make a comeback in the minds of the American people. Yes, yeah. for sure. For real. Mm -hmm. Get mm -hmm. that. Get that liberal mindedness out there because mm -hmm. we know it's there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, it reminded me I had a pen pal um, when I was in Cleveland, and or I was in Arizona and my pen pal was in Cleveland, mm -hmm. and I was a kid in Arizona, and she would write me letters like, "Do you have enough water?" Uh, how do you get to school? <laughs> like, so I understand the stereotypes. Brush your hair with the tumbleweed. Yeah, they're like, be careful of the cactuses, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, cacti, bitch. Okay. Um, from uh, Met Morrison, uh, as the only Danish patron, I think I feel obligated to correct you on Mandy's mention of the lovely Christiana. It's not quite its own country. Squatters took over an old abandoned military area in the middle of town because of a housing shortage. Mm. It turned hippie anarchistic and they live with their own rules like no cars, legal sale of cannabis uh, and so on. They vote and pay income tax, amenities and other taxes except for housing taxes because they don't own it. 
It's more like a social experiment, but it's the third most popular tourist attraction in Copenhagen. Check it out. Interesting. I wonder what the first is. That's so interesting. I know. Yeah. It it is really cool. Go watch some YouTube videos on it. Yeah. Well, when you think of the concept of a squatter, you don't really think of the full possibilities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Love that. Let's just squat somewhere. Make a new thing. Yeah. (laughs) Start selling shit. (laughs) From (laughs) Teresa Timlin. Judge Beryl Howe does not run the Federal uh, Judges Association. We did correct this on on a recent Daily Beans. The head of FJA is Cynthia Roof of Pennsylvania, lifelong Republican, appointed um, by President Bush. FJA is nonpartisan and usually weighs uh, in on issues like judges' salaries. That they are having an emergency meeting is quite remarkable. And she says, I'm in awe of how you stay on top of the news. And then from Nadia... Uh, I know you always cringe when you say small dick energy, so I wanted to suggest fragile peen energy instead. (laughs) Fragile peen energy does not correlate with penis size. Men pay online sex workers for dick ratings all the time, and plenty of men pay for small penis humiliation, even when they may not be small. Long story short, don't humiliate a man about the size of his penis for free. Get paid for it. (laughs) (laughs) This is one of my favorite corrections ever. (laughs) Love your show. Thanks for breaking things down so they're easier to understand. It's funny. (laughs) and uh get paid for it uh and kirsten zolfo you ladies provide amazing content y'all rock um keep people motivated which is critical for healthy democracy Uh, on the coffee cart episode when discussing the iran vote and trump's threatened veto jordan said keep coming over republicans and ag added we need 60 we need five more um well 60 is the number needed to achieve cloture a veto requires a larger number they need two-thirds damn it so with 55 senators voting for the iran resolution we need 12 more Oh, I hate fractions. And in the House, um, well, oh yeah, no, 12 more. Okay, maths. Uh, She says, I'm loving the Daily Beans. I'm thrilled to be a patron of your work. Thank you. That was Kirsten. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then uh, for Mary Reffling. Uh, love your podcast listen every day I was seriously offended when you guys dissed Mayor Pete I uh, posted on my Facebook page supporters of Bernie are calling Pete a shining little shiny little toy boy with will such snark win over moderates and Democrat and the Democratic Party would you consider apologizing a gay friend felt the comment was homophobic and misogynistic I'm not sure whether those adjectives apply but in any case I have to go I'm, I may have to go door to door to uh, GOTV with a Bernie supporter and an apology would help mend fences uh, that said, I find your detailed commentary on Trump's duplicity extremely useful. Uh, thank you. Um, I do want to make a little correction of mm-hmm. the correction. I don't think Jordan said boy toy. She said toy boy. That's what that's what they said. Okay. Yeah, toy yeah. boy. Um, <clears throat> and I think you were trying to say that he, because of he just looks so pretty. Yes, that is 1,000% what I was saying, and I'm very, um, obviously I never want anybody to be offended. That was just a riff that came to my brain. I was imagining literally like a Pinocchio toy doll with like shiny cheeks. Because you're so friggin' handsome. He has, he has an adorable smile, and he, that is exactly Eyebrows what on that, point. yep. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. think you were insinuating that he'd be passed around nope, like a it was just joint one of on the, Christmas. Nope, it was just no. one of the many little quips that we throw out about mm-hmm. candidates' looks, which we've also gotten criticisms for, but it's just a joke that was in no way related to his human qualities and- Or his sexuality. Or his sexuality, right. Mm-hmm. It was literally just a- uh, a flippant comment about him looking like a like a doll kind of because he's just so adorable yeah yeah and i also said the same thing about kushner if you if you want to go back and find that somewhere <laughs> that's the exact the exact same thing and, but we are uh, definitely sorry we didn't mean to offend anybody yeah no, uh, not at all. i just want you i i want you to know when i was uh, following up on your comments jordan i, I wasn't in i wasn't of the mind that he was a boy toy but rather just 
his looks. Yeah, 100% uh, a looks-based thing. It was kind of a backhanded compliment, but... <laughs> it was, yeah. Um, but yes, thank you. I could thank you for writing. Yeah, thank you for pointing it out. I could see, though, uh, how someone could make a connection based on... Uh, as a criticism of his age or his sexuality. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I apologize if anyone was offended, but yeah, mm-hmm. that was not the intent. Yeah, please know that's not what we meant. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, we would never do that. Um, that said... Thank you so much for your corrections, and thank you for pointing these out. Um, we can always do better. If you have any corrections, head to MullerSheWrote.com, click Contact, Select Corrections, and build us a compliment sandwich. We will get it right eventually. With that, let's get to the news with just the facts. So we had another big week in the Mueller investigation with the sentencing hearing of weird steampunk carny swinger Roger Stone. Uh, no shame to any of those things. Uh, Amy Berman, who we've come to know as Judge Jackson, if you're nasty, had a weighty, if not seemingly impossible job. She had three different sentencing recommendations, two from the Department of Justice and one from Stone's legal team. We know the story of the department's recommendations. The first was seven to nine years, which comprised of the sentencing guidelines plus an eight point upward variance for making violent threats against the witness, which was the subject of his witness intimidation felony. Uh, The second uh, DOJ recommendation read like it had been written by a five-year-old, no offense to five-year-olds, and called for much less. Stone's legal team, they were asking for only probation, no jail time. So Judge Jackson was in a precarious place. If she sentenced him too harshly, the right-wing dillbags would have had a scream fest on Judge Box of Wine, Janine Pirro's show. And if she was too lenient, it would look like she had succumbed to the pressure she felt from the attorney general. She didn't feel, but that came from the attorney general and Trump. Apart from those variables, she had to hand down a sentence that would punish Stone for shitting all over the rule of law in the face of a nation about to lose its rule of law status, if we haven't already. Mm -hmm. I think we have. Uh, After the new prosecutor stood up, surprisingly defending the original sentencing memo from the four prosecutors that withdrew from the case in protest, and that was also signed by the freshly installed bar patsy at the U.S. Attorney's Office in D.C., she said, uh, Judge Berman Jackson said, unsurprisingly, I have a lot to say. Uh, But before we get to her greatest hits, it's important uh, to note that the new prosecutor um, had some astonishing things to say on behalf of the the old prosecutors, Mm -hmm. including telling Judge Jackson that the old prosecutors were right. And I'm sorry for the top level interference and admitting it was basically a bunch of bullshit. And please just go by the first correct sentencing memorandum. And we're super sorry. So this makes me feel like if they were going to put people in that were going to say something like that in support of the previous prosecutors, the only reason they wanted them out was to retaliate against them for being supporters of or being involved in the Mueller investigation it could have been a plot to get them out yeah to get non-trump loyalists to resign right because i guess maybe these people i don't know they don't that doesn't seem very trump loyalist Mm-mm. so why it's would not they, at all right so why would they why would they replace them with him i don't know the behind the scenes story maybe yeah. they thought he would go in go in and support the bar uh mm-hmm. memo but refused to when he was faced with a judge like I can't yeah do this to a judge mm. my candor and my candidacy candidacy with the court uh, my candidness mm-hmm. my candidosity can't be I won't put it at risk mm-hmm. so here's some of what she had to say um at trial, the defense, uh, these are quotes, at trial, the defense appropriately questioned Randy Credico's credibility and Rick Gates's credibility, but it was largely Stone's own emails and his own texts that proved the allegations beyond a reasonable doubt. So what did the defense say to the jury on his behalf? So what? So what? Of all the circumstances in this case, this may be the most pernicious. The truth still exists. The truth still matters. Roger Stone's insistence that it doesn't, his belligerence, his pride in his own lies are a threat to our most fundamental institutions, to the very foundation of our democracy. 
And if it goes unpunished, it will not be a victory for one party or another. Everyone loses because everyone depends on the representatives they elect to make the right decisions on a myriad of issues, many of which are politically charged, but many of which aren't based on the facts. Everyone depends on our elected representatives to protect our elections from foreign interference based on the facts. No one knows where the threat is going to come from next time or whose side they'll be on. And for that reason, the dismay and disgust at the defendant's belligerence should transcend party. The dismay, um, I thought that that was pretty mm-hmm. strongly worded. She also mm-hmm. said the dismay and disgust at the attempts by others to defend his actions are just business as usual in our polarized climate, and that should transcend party. The dismay and disgust with any attempts to interfere with the efforts of prosecutors and members of the judiciary to fulfill their duty should transcend party. Sure, the defense is free to say, so what? Who cares? But I'll say this. Congress cared. The United States Department of Justice and the United States Attorney's Office in the District of Columbia that prosecuted this case and is still prosecuting this case cared. The jurors who served with integrity under difficult circumstances cared. The American people cared. And I care. Yes. Ah, chills. God. <clears throat> I didn't even know judges ever got that political. Or political yeah. sounding. Well, she's I know trying she's to say not... it's like transcending. Right, 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 right. But it's still a very like moral, you know, it's a moral appeal. It mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Decency. Uh, in the next part, she tears into Trump and Barr without naming them specifically. She says, this case also exemplifies why it is that this system, for good reason, demands that the responsibility falls to someone neutral. Someone whose job may involve issuing opinions in favor of and against the same administration in the same week and not someone who has a long-standing friendship with the defendant. <coughs> Trump. Um, not someone whose political career was aided by the defendant. Trump. And surely not anyone who has a personal involvement in the events underlying the case. Trump. Uh, the court cannot be influenced by those comments. They were entirely inappropriate. But I will not hold them against the defendant either. Mm. So she didn't say the word Trump either. Right. That was my... Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. of course. Pointing out who she's talking about. And that she's not going to hold what Trump did against mm-hmm. Stone. She said it would be equally improper to be buffeted by the winds of uh, blowing from the left, the enthusiastic callers who object to what the defendant stands for. I cannot and will not sentence him for the behavior of those he supports. Sentencing is personal, and it's based on the evidence. She then brought it home, saying, I have received letters urging me not to silence an important voice in the public arena, but that will not be an element of this sentence in any way. I expect he will keep talking. And as you've just heard, when I went through the elements of the offense, he was not convicted and not as not being sentenced for exercising his First Amendment rights, his support of the president's campaign or his policies. He was not prosecuted, as some have complained, for standing up for the president. He was prosecuted for covering up for the president. <sighs> Boom. She then sentenced him to 40 months on count one, 12 months on counts two through six and 18 months on count seven to be served concurrently. Um, So he got 70 months, but he only has to serve 40 because he's serving all three Mm -hmm. of those at the same time. And 40 is the longest of the three. Mm -hmm. That's if he goes to prison. And she's still weighing a motion from Stone for a retrial based on what he thinks is a biased juror who turned out to be the foreperson of the jury. And then Saturday, Roger Stone's team filed another motion asking the court to remove Judge Jackson from the case, saying she is biased because she stood up for the integrity of the biased jury. Um. I sincerely doubt either of those motions will carry. However, we'll see how this plays out. Um, that's it. That's the whole Roger Stone case. So, how long so do you far. think Trump will take to pardon him? Uh, he, he said he's not going to do it now. He, uh, Trump has said he thinks uh, Stone will be exonerated, meaning Trump feels that the appeals, she'll, she'll be booted yeah. off the case. Mm. Or that he knew that she was gonna, he was going to file a motion to boot her off the case. Or he thinks that he'll be exonerated in a retrial. Mm-hmm. 
Right. I know he tweeted in support of that retrial. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll probably, when do you, do you have any idea when we would know if there's no. going to be. No. And my fear, my fear is that the Trump White House advised Roger Stone to file the motion to have the judge. Uh, Judge Jackson removed from the case and that he's got it set up somewhere that she will Mm -hmm. be. This is what I'm really terrified to see going into November. He is either going to choose to take that time leading up to the election to stay away from criming or he's going to take that opportunity to double down on criming. Mm -hmm. And if he can get elected, because in 2016, he got elected trying to shove the criming under the bed. Mm -hmm. If he gets elected in 2020, openly talking about it and doing it like that and making it a, th- a thing mm-hmm. that's incredibly, you know, out there for all to see, and he gets elected on that, that is like mm-hmm. so much worse than 2016. Yep. Yeah, totally. I agree with you. And we have a lot of that in the hot notes and with our interview with Malcolm Nance later. So stick around. We'll be right back after this message with more Russian interference. Stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this episode of Muller She Wrote is brought to you by Beta Brand. These are my favorite pants ever in the universe. I am obsessed with them. I have, like, that they're all I wear to work and interviews and professional stuff where you have to be business business cash. So like most people, I'm very busy. I go from one errand to the next, one meeting to the next. So I'm excited to share that you have to try flexible, versatile pants. These are the dress pant yoga pants from Beta Brand. They fit my nonstop all-day schedule. Um, They're perfect for the office, home, and anywhere the day takes you. With Beta Brand, you never have to sacrifice comfort, function, or style. You get all three. And Beta Brand's dress pant yoga pants are incredibly versatile, super comfy, perfectly stretchy, and they are stay wrinkle-free no matter what. You can shove them in a ball in your suitcase. They do not wrinkle. They have all the styles of dress pants with stretch fit and feel of yoga pants. Whatever your style, they have pants to match with dozens of colors, patterns, cuts, and styles like boot cut, straight leg, skinny cropped, and more. They even have a pair with eight pockets. Uh, I have three pairs, the crop straight leg and the eight pocket pants in black. I always wear black. I bring them everywhere with me on every trip because they don't wrinkle. Like I said, they pack and travel beautifully. And the eight pocket pants allow me to leave my purse in the hotel room, which is really nice because I go around, I travel around a lot. So it helps not to have my bag with me. Right now, our listeners can get 20% off their first order when you go to betabrand.com slash AG. That's 20% off your first order at betabrand.com slash AG. Millions of women agree these are the most comfortable pants you'll ever wear. Go to betabrand.com slash AG for 20% off today. Okay, welcome back. So, just in time for the Nevada caucus, we got news about Russia 2 election boogaloo. (laughs) Uh, Last week, the intelligence community briefed the Gang of Eight that Russia is once again interfering in our elections. Devin Nunes, who attended the briefing, likely ran to Papa and told him about it before the FBI could, Mm. which sent Trump into a rage. uh, During which he dressed down McGuire, the Director of National Intelligence at the Office of Director of National Intelligence, or the ODNI. This week, he resigned his position. He was fired. And he was replaced with <laughs> with Rick Grinnell, a huge piece of shit dickhole that has absolutely zero experience with intelligence or law enforcement or anything other than probably day rape. Uh, and although all of us knew this was coming, um, all of us knew Russia has been interfering and is continuing to interfere. Trump is calling it a hoax and accusing Democrats of conspiring with Russia to take him down in November. Uh, how did we know this was happening? Well, let's listen to Mueller last July. Is this, um, in your investigation, did you think that this was a single attempt by the Russians to get involved in our election, or did you find evidence to suggest they'll try to do this again? Oh, it wasn't a single attempt. Uh, they're doing it as we sit here. And they expect to do it uh, 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 during the, the next campaign. And the day before Mueller testified, July 23rd, FBI Director Chris Wray, who was put in by Trump, had the same warning, saying the Russians are absolutely intent on trying to interfere with our elections. And he told Lindsey Graham crackers, 
Uh, Lindsay asked, everything we've done against Russia has not deterred them enough? Asked Lindsey Graham, the Republican committee chairman. Uh, all the sanctions, all the talk, they're still at it? None of the election so security the- bills? And he says, yes, my view is until they stop, they haven't been deterred enough. Piece of shit. And remember the speech this week that Oxford at Oxford Union, we talked about uh, this speech where Mick Mulvaney admitted Republicans suck at deficits, that whole thing. Uh-huh. Well, our old friend Matthew fucking Whitaker also spoke at that thing and said, absolutely, and under no uncertain terms, Russia interfered in 2016, they interfered in 2018, and they're doing it in 2020. Uh, and we have the New York Times reporting last month, maybe six weeks ago, that the FBI is actively looking into Russia interfering in, in 2020 on Trump's behalf. And despite all this and the entire Mueller report and the January 2017 intelligence com- uh, assessment and everything coming out of the Republican run committees mm-hmm. uh, in the Congress, in, in the House and the Senate mm-hmm. intelligence uh, and uh, committees saying Russia interfered in our elections. Despite all that, Trump still denies it. Trump still denies that it's happening. And we got some other big news this week about Russian interference. And I wanted to tee this up with a clip from the Mueller testimony. Another clip. Here we have Republican, Republican, I say, Will Hurd, um, saying his committee recommended the FBI get better at informing campaigns when interference from a foreign adversary mm-hmm. was occurring. Let's listen to that. Um, as a former CIA officer, uh, I want to focus on something I think both sides of the political aisle can agree on, that is, how do we prevent Russian intelligence and other adversaries from doing this again? And after overseeing and counterintelligence operations for 12 years as FBI director, and then investigating what the Russians have done in the 2016 election, you've seen tactics, techniques, and results of Russian intelligence operations. Our committee made a recommendation that the FBI should improve its victim notification process when a person, entity, or campaign has fallen victim to active measures of attack. Um, would you agree with this? With this, It sounds like a worthwhile endeavor. I will tell you, though, that uh, the ability of our intelligence agencies to work together in this arena is perhaps more important than that. So in that clip, not only do we have Mueller saying it would be a good idea for the FBI to get better at informing campaigns when Russia's trying to infiltrate them, but that even more important than that is that we have efficient coordination between intelligence agencies. And the person in the government who's responsible for ensuring our intelligence agencies work together and communicate effectively is the motherfucking director of national intelligence. Great. This is a position created in the wake of 9-11 to ensure the FBI, CIA, NSA, and the other 14... Uh, intelligence agencies are communicating effectively so as to prevent things like terrorist attacks. Yeah. Uh, which, let's, let's face it, Russia interference is a terrorist attack. Uh, in response to this stark warning, Trump had gutted the office of the Director of National Intelligence, fired the DNI uh, for briefing the intelligence committees in Congress about Russian interference, and replaced him with a loyalist with zero experience in intelligence, and also put a guy named Kash Patel. Uh, who was a former Devin Nunes aide, traveled to London to try to find Christopher Steele to discredit the Russia investigation in 2016. Yeah, so, were they just going to like Pulp Fiction that scene if they found him? <laughs> <laughs> How did they think that was going to go? They speak English in what? Two dudes just walking up. <laughs> they speak English in England? Yeah. Um, but it appears the FBI did get the message uh, of informing victims, being better at informing victims of foreign campaign interference, as we learned. 
uh, this this weekend that the Sanders campaign was informed a month ago that Russia was interfering on its behalf. Uh, but we have a stark difference between Trump's reaction that Russia's interfering and Bernie's reaction that that Russia's interfering. Trump was pissed. He fired the DNI, gutted gutted the office for for briefing Congress about it, uh, and then said publicly it was all a hoax. Uh, but Bernie denounced Putin, told him to stay the fuck out. And if he's president, Russia will not interfere in all elections again. I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> but he had very strong words for Putin. Probably not that far off from that, though. He's no. getting feisty. He was waving his finger. He was mad. He's getting spicy. He's getting very, very spicy. <laughs> also, uh, he also insinuated, uh, and we talked about this a little bit in the Daily Beans, that the Washington Post um, dropped that story right ahead of the Nevada caucus uh, to in an attempt to maybe try to hurt him in that caucus. Didn't work. He went on to win Nevada handily, as we all expected he would. Um, so, you know, some people are asking questions. Why didn't he address it a month ago? Bernie and Bernie mm-hmm. is asking questions. Why didn't Washington Post put the story out a month ago? Mm-hmm. So there's just sort of a bunch of stuff evolving around this. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, mm-hmm. uh, it, this shouldn't be a surprise. It's in the Mueller report. Mm-hmm. They it, Russia did this in 2016 mm-hmm. because they hate Hillary. They wanted to boost Bernie. Mm-hmm. Um, and they wanted to sow discord and confusion. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, we said then, and I would say now that I'm, I'm, I'm certain that Bernie isn't working with the Russians. Mm-hmm. Right. But that is what Trump is going to say. Yeah. I am. God. Okay. Well, first off, that's laughable, obviously. Um, but I, I'm curious to see this difference between a candidate that denounces it publicly and strongly like Bernie did versus Trump, who welcomed it and tried to facilitate it. And the only reason they didn't get in trouble for that is because they're too fucking dumb to know that they weren't allowed to do that. And, and, that, and it is making moves covered to up protect other things. the Russian interference right? Exactly. by not allowing bills to pass for election security, mm-hmm. kicking everyone out who's a Russia expert. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go over all this in the hot notes. Yeah. Um, it's just mm-hmm. been a systematic... Uh, building of a situation where Russia can interfere freely because Trump wants them to. Definitely. And so I'm curious to see what happens when Russia is coming at either of these groups trying to interfere. One of them is receptive. The other is not. How do their efforts change in regards to Bernie's campaign after this, after he came out strongly against it? I don't. Did they think he was ever going to do anything other than come out strongly against it? It seems like it's mostly for the purpose of sowing discord amongst the citizens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And Bernie acknowledged it in the Nevada debate. Yep. He said, so I, I, uh, if anyone's a jerk, if anyone is my, one of my mm-hmm. supporters and they're a jerk to you, mm-hmm. I, dis- I disown them. And they could be Russian. Like, totally. So he, he, he Which said we, that. We've been, we've been saying that about many different well, issues on Twitter. If someone's yeah. coming out and is re- being really inflammatory and stirring a lot of shit up, maybe look up and see if they're yeah. a so, bot. I don't. Yeah. So it's funny, I had this conversation with someone recently. I was having a kind of a nuanced discussion with a friend of mine who's an Elizabeth Warren supporter. I saw that she was out canvassing for Elizabeth Warren. And I it was wasn't like, me. No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't AG, actually. No, it was. Um, I saw she was out canvassing for Elizabeth Warren in Chicago. And I was like, that's so awesome. I'm so excited to see you participating and doing this. I've been doing the same for Bernie. And she, we had a discussion about the concept of Bernie bros. And, and she was like, I have faced harassment. Other women have faced harassment. This is a serious thing. And I was like, I totally recognize that. And I know that these people exist. And I know that there are aggressive supporters of Bernie mm-hmm. who do wrong and who mm-hmm. do harm. Mm-hmm. That being said, I think that some of them are bots. <laughs> you know, I think that there yeah. are people out there who are doing harm. And Bernie acknowledges that. And yep. he was told by the FBI. So, I mean, he's got yeah, evidence. Exactly. He's got hardcore I, I, evidence of it. I think that there are, there are Russian bots who are, who are trying to get us to fucking eat each other alive. Yeah. And I also do think, too, though, that there is 
a legitimate, I don't want to gaslight anyone. I do believe that there's a legitimate group of people that are incredibly aggressive mm-hmm. and have been more or less disenfranchised up until this point for whatever reasons. Mm-hmm. And now that they're in it, they're they're coming at Rabid. politics in general with just such a, an amount of aggression and disdain mm-hmm. that they're not ready to be civil, really, which yeah. is not effective and something that they need to recognize is going to hurt the chances of the electability of their candidate. Right. But, but yeah, I, th- I think those people exist. But I do think that they also very much exist as bots on the Internet. Absolutely. Yes. And um, Asha, actually, a friend of the podcast. Friend of the show. Did a really good um, thread. And I want to read it to you real quick. She says, if Bernie is the nominee... Uh, He needs to demand vocally and repeatedly that the intelligence community thoroughly investigate all Russian efforts to boost his campaign, provide him with regular updates, and for Trump to immediately take steps to ensure election security. This serves three goals. First, it gives teeth to his assertion that he does not want help and that he is willing to stand up to Putin. It illustrates unequivocally that he takes the side of our intelligence agencies over Russia and, and himself. It gives needed support to our intelligence community. Second, it's an obvious contrast to Trump's uh, actions in 2016. Um, it's, you know, i.e. it's how a person who is horrified at foreign election interference would behave. Mm -hmm. It also drives home the point that when one is innocent of collusion, one does not fear counterintelligence measures to stop it. Mm -hmm. Third, uh, puts the onus on Trump to do something. Remember that if Bernie gets the nom and wins, Trump will contest the results, claiming the outcome is not legit because Russia helped him. Uh, If he refutes, if he refuses to take action now, that argument rings hollow. Mm -hmm. Um, it's important to understand, even if you're a Bernie fan, that Russia is using him as an insurance policy. Bernie can neutralize this if he does that stuff I just said, and he mm-hmm. might actually sway people who were otherwise turned off to come over. Mm-hmm. The end. Mm-hmm. P.S. This approach is also a good way to smoke out the bots. Yep. Those quote unquote Bernie bros who don't support such a straightforward proposal in favor of democracy are likely sitting in a cubicle in St. Petersburg and don't want the FBI sniffing in their business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I agree completely. And I have full faith that him and his campaign will do that. Very well put, Asha. Mm-hmm. Uh, stay with us. We'll be right back with Hot Notes in the Fantasy Indictment League. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this segment of Muller She Wrote is brought to you by Noom. Getting in shape does not have to be about a number on a scale, not losing about a specific amount of weight or anything like that. It's about just building healthier habits and feeling better about yourself. That's why I love Noom. I've been on Noom for, gosh, what, 15 months now? Um, They help you develop a new relationship with food. Uh, They adjust to your lifestyle. They teach you psychology and the psychology behind the decisions you make, and they help you keep track of everything from workouts and steps to analyzing your diet, food logs, and recommending healthy recipes. Noom also connects you with personally assigned goal specialists and a community of other Noomers, so you have all the support you need to empower your change. Um, like I said, I've been on it for a year. When I f- was first on it, the first couple of months, I lost 17 pounds. I've been able to keep it off. I have this new relationship with food. It's based in a cognitive behavioral approach. They use personalized courses to help you reach your goals. You don't have to commit a lot of time. It's just 10 minutes a day. It's super convenient with the app because all of your stuff is in one place. So you don't have a separate step counter and a separate food log and a separate nutrition thing. It's all in one place. And they don't use negative reinforcement. So there's no shaming and no guilt. That was important for me. It's a perfect time to step toward a healthier habit so sign up for your trial today at noom n-o-o-m.com slash ag what do you have to lose visit noom.com slash ag to start your trial today that's noom n-o-o-m.com slash ag all right welcome back we're going to switch it up today uh because the fantasy indictment league and sabotage doesn't really combine well with the malcolm nance interview that we have in the third segment so are y'all ready for sabotage yes, yes. 
All right, here's your sabotage. Prosecutors within the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York are considering whether to charge Giuliani associate Lev Parnas and one of his other business partners named Korea with misleading potential investors in Fraud Guarantee. That's the Florida-based company that paid Giuliani. Parnas co-founded Fraud Guarantee with the idea of providing insurance to companies to protect against fraud. The scrutiny of Fraud Guarantee shines a little bit of more light, a little more light on Giuliani, a little bit of more light. A little bit of more light, didn't it? <laughs> um, Giuliani, Trump's defender, and it raises questions about what role Giuliani played, if any, in the marketing of the company. A uh, lawyer for Giuliani said his client never had any conversations about investor pitches or marketing with Parnas or his partner, David Correa. Let's hope Berman, the U.S. attorney in the Southern District, keeps with his same independent spirit that brought him to indict Hulk Bank in the face of opposition from Barr and Trump. Yeah. What about Fruman? Uh, Fruman wasn't Was part, of, not fraud a part guarantee. of fraud guarantee. No, huh. Fruman was the weed guy. That he worked with Mm -hmm. Parnas on weed deals. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Get him, Giuliani. (laughs) Get Giuliani, I mean. I don't want the words. Get him, Giuliani, to ever come out of my mouth. That sounds like a command that I do not want, and I am not soliciting. Do not fly out into the night with your bat wings. (laughs) (laughs) We're keeping that in. Um, Are you ready to play the Fantasy Indictment League? Yes. I'm going to be indicted! No, it is going to be okay. Indicted! Honey, dick. Indicted! Honey. I'm going to be indicted! They can't. It's going to be okay. Just calm down. I can't calm down. I'm going to be indicted. I get to go first. Mm -hmm. Whoop, whoop. Superseding Parnas. Nice. Giuliani. (laughs) You getting these? Mm -hmm. Superseding Korea. uh, C-O-R-R-E-I-A. I still think there's superseding Freeman on the table. All right. (laughs) Maybe. Barrick. Oh, fuck. <laughs> this will be the month, week, Ew. whatever. Yes. You know what? I just, what if it takes a jinx to get him indicted, then that's fine with me. That's why I'm stealing him. Yes. I'm a fan. Dirty. Um, I will do AMI. How many do I have? Three? You have three so far, yes. Frick. Frick. I haven't heard that since fifth grade. Life in the chis lane. What the freak? What's going on with old Ghislaine? Ghislaine. Uh, the they're trying to they're trying to uh, serve her with a lawsuit via email because no one can find her ass. Right. Hmm. Well. Or the rest of her. Yeah. They got to get the right burner phone or else I'll never reach her. Well, it's probably in There's Cohen's office. Email. That's right. There's like 13 of them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. How about a pecker? Mm. All right. We swapped. That was a good trade. Nice. Pecker for Barrick. One more, one more. Who to choose? Who to choose? Kukushnik. What's his name? Kukushna? How do you spell his name? He was the fourth... The fourth... Associate? Yeah, in the Parna stuff. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Kukushkin. K-U, K-U. I think. Let's see. If I go like... If I do... Parnas... Uh, Fruman Kukushkin I think that's it yes uh, K-U-K-U S-H-K-I-N oh Kukushkin alright exactly how it sounds and that <laughs> would be superseding alrighty Jordan you're up I had all this time you want to double down with the plea agreement yeah I could do that None of this matters. <laughs> <laughs> I never, I never, no lives matter. I never get any points. 
um, and Barr is in right now. So let's do super. No. Yeah, but we got that Berman. I mean, he he, Mm -hmm. he brought the Hulk bank indictment, even though Trump didn't want him to. Yeah. Also, Cy Vance is like going at it, allegedly, hopefully. Right. Hmm. Okay. Time's ticking, baby. I'm going to do Howard. Nice. Dylan Howard, the other lawyer. Signed a uh, non-prosecution agreement with AMI and Pecker, mm-hmm. which was violated when they extorted Bezos. Yep. We still haven't heard anything about that. All right. Um, that's the Fantasy Indictment League. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. Time for hot notes. Jordan, you're, uh, you're, you're up. <laughs> <laughs> that was a uh, weird intro. That's okay. It started with a lot of energy. That's why I don't host shows. <laughs> right. Except this one. Except this whole one. <laughs> I meant live comedy one. shows. Yeah. I'm so bad at like introducing comics on live. I'm so bad. Yeah. It's a hard thing. <laughs> and it's... next is the funniest uh, person. Yeah. It's one of those things that's so, it's like too easy. So it's like very simple to fuck up and overthink in your brain. Yes. Yeah. It's like, okay. Like I'm doing calculus, AG, but I get Molly the- she wrote. AG, Molly she wrote. And then you get up and you're like, Make it laugh for what's the first letter of the alphabet? You can't remember anything. <laughs> I know it's like uh, B C, like <laughs> like doing calculus, but you get three plus six wrong when you're trying to figure out exactly. Yeah. It's too simple. Anyways, that's some inside baseball. It's um, nine, nine, by the way. Nine, nine. What? Three plus six. Oh, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, <laughs> I haven't been doing my addition flashcards. I'm not not quick to, to the jump. Um, my hot note out from Politico, Trump's being continuously advised to purge his Justice Department of essentially anyone that was a part of the Mueller probe. Uh, Of course, we've been seeing this happening one by one, but now we're starting to get a more acute idea, I think, of who is pushing this effort and how exactly. Uh, the, The purge saw a spike this month with the four stone prosecutors that were overrun and effectively ousted. By bar after issuing a sentence guide, a sentencing guideline that was fully precedented, as we've talked about, and three of the four of those prosecutors had worked for Mueller. So we talked about this a little bit earlier in the show. It's hard to imagine that them being ousted essentially and then replaced by someone who still recommended the same sentencing that they did kind of begs the question: Were they just being retaliated against? Was this because they were so-called Mueller holdovers? And pro-Trump figures and friends are really pushing this narrative that Trump ought to keep pushing people out. That are those Mueller holdovers. After the Stone debacle, conservative blogger Will Chamberlain said, It's totally unclear to me why any members of the Mueller team need to remain in the Trump DOJ. And normally it'd be like, you know, who cares what these crazy media figures believe? But Trump cares and he really cares. And he's playing to his base consistently he listens to these insane people shouting on television way more than I think he does his advisors at this point. And that's kind of the question that this Politico piece is, is posturing is um, how th- it's very scary, right, that he's not not only is he listening, you know, to advisors that are shitty, but he's also not even listening to advisors sometimes and more so just trying to play to these people who are incredibly radical and more or less entertainers, honestly, and just saying the craziest shit. And that's kind of, I think, the they're, the question that this article poses is, what's begetting what? Is yeah. it Trump's crazy words <clears throat> making these people, you know, say that he needs to keep doing this stuff? 
or is it these people saying this crazy shit and supporting him, uh, making Trump do that stuff? And Chicken and the egg. Right. Either way, though, there's a feedback loop and there's a current that we're stuck in right now. And that's really scary because they're just emboldening his fascist-esque retaliatory actions a lot of which he's continuing to do, and that, those sorts of things are increasing. They're kind um, of just like, well, you know how he does. Right, exactly. Kind of is it, well, the vibe. Yeah, it seems like any sort of person that isn't maybe out there shouting in the streets, arrest them, lock them up, that's how they feel. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is just what he does. And then if they're not saying that, then they're the people who are yelling, yeah, get him, mm-hmm. put him in jail. It's really scary fascist shit, and the most criticism he's allegedly getting is his AG that's like, yeah, I kind of wish he wouldn't tweet so much. That's pretty much all he's getting. (laughs) Right. And the question is still unanswered yet if he's really even getting that criticism or if that was some kind of weird sort of like staged PR thing. And But then on the other side, people are just barbarically cheering for this shit. So they're literally louder than any criticism he might even slightly be facing by people he remotely trusts. And he's in the palm of his reactionary ill-informed base right now. So the article just does a good job of laying out various different pundits and I don't even know if it's fair to call them that. They're just crazy conservatives, really. I don't even want to call them conservatives. It's conservative in the worst New Age sense, filled with white nationalism and xenophobia and greed, way more greed than we've seen ever, it feels. And I don't really know what, you know, how do you like stop that? I think that's kind of the next question is, are it, are his advisors going to at any point think that that feedback loops needs to stop between what he's doing and people who are the furthest thing from elected or appointed officials that could possibly be telling him to do shit? <coughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm afraid that my hot note does not provide the answer. Just more questions. That's okay. <laughs> We're going to have a lot of those. Yeah. And um, I guess kind of a content warning this isn't full of a lot of hope my hot note uh, and usually they are so just want to let you know uh but we got malcolm nance at the end to do cleanup so that's why i wanted to put the fantasy indictment league and sabotage before this mm-hmm. so that i have less time between what i have to say and what malcolm nance is going to say so that you could feel better sooner <laughs> uh, i'm having a really hard time watching the systematic dismantling of our institutions by this administration uh since trump took office he's been dismantling protections for the rule of law from all sides starting after the election and before he was sworn in. It's been happening so slowly, most of us haven't been able to see the onslaught as as a big picture. We just get bits and pieces as time goes by that are subsumed in a fire hose of news and scandals designed to keep us disoriented, angry, and confused. We can start with Sally Yates. She was removed. When she did her run over to the White House to say, you know, don't hire Flynn, uh, or fire Flynn, I should say, Uh, And she was removed. Then we have the firing of Jim Comey. Uh, And then shortly after that, we have the targeting of the Comey Five, which includes Jim Baker, who was removed from his job. McCabe, we know what happened to him. Bowditch uh, was moved. Rabicki and Goddess were both moved around and put into different positions so that they were no longer looking into Russia as Russia experts or uh, in a place where they could influence anything that might uh, harm Trump and his administration. And then, of course, we have Bente, who was our sixth beetle. Uh, he was also moved. Um, and then, of course, we have the Mueller investigation. We have Trump trying to fire Mueller twice. And then we have Trump trying to limit the scope of Mueller's investigation by sending Lewandowski to tell Jeff Sessions to unrecuse himself mm-hmm. and to only look at future elections, not 2016. Um, then we have his ongoing uh, targeting of the press. 
uh, which has been happening since uh, he's been doing this since before he's president. Um, then, of course, he hired close associates of his at the IRS, at the IRS commissioner and the IRS general counsel, uh, both of which I think profit from owning and renting out Trump properties to protect and provide uh, a shield against his tax returns coming out. Then after that, he confirmed Bill Barr. And then, and then very shortly after that, a bunch of investigations stopped, uh, and particularly ones that were referred by Mueller. And then we have the mischaracterization of the Mueller findings when, when Barr comes out with his with his four-page letter. And of course, Mueller is so by the book that he, you know, he writes a letter in response, which is our equivalent of a million-man march. That's, 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 that's Mueller going ballistic, is writing a letter. Um, Barr then appoints Durham to investigate the investigation. Um, uh, he's the U.S. attorney from Connecticut. And then he sicks the inspector generals, inspectors general on anything having to do with Russia. So there were all those inspector general uh, investigations mm-hmm. um, into McCabe and Comey and the Russia and opening of the Russia investigation, the FISA stuff, like everything that you can think of that had to do with 2016 that might threaten the legitimacy of Trump's um, election results. Um, and then we have um, Trump giving Barr carte blanche to declassify whatever he likes. Uh, giving him the keys to the kingdom, the classif- the declassification kingdom, as it were. And we have the investigations in McCabe and Comey, additional criminal investigations into McCabe and Comey. And we have him targeting Page and Strzok, who, who both worked on, on the Russia investigation. Uh, then he tasked Mulvaney with removing disloyal government employees by moving their jobs across the country. Gosh, never heard of anything like that. And uh, then he attacked the whistleblower uh, and in the Ukraine scandal. Uh, and, and not only did he attack the whistleblower, but he fired Vindeman and his brother and Sunland, for, which has a chilling, if not freezing, effect on future whistleblowers who might come out when all of this starts to fall apart, which it has. Then we have the Stone debacle where, you know, Trump's mad about Stone's seven to nine year sentencing recommendation has Barr go in and make a, a much lower recommendation. Um, and then, of course, Barr is tasking U.S. attorneys with other political errands, such as reopening investigations into Comey and allowing for all of the Rudy information to come in directly to the Department of Justice. Then we have Barr releasing a memo saying only he can approve investigations into presidential campaigns. And then, of course, Trump fires the director of national intelligence over a briefing that Russia is interfering in the elections again. And then he installed a sycophant at the head of the intelligence agencies who has no intelligence experience. And he rehired the criminal McEntee to purge all agencies of disloyal government employees. And all the while packing the court with loyalists and paying off Republican Congress people and senators who support him. So we are no longer at a point where we should be worried about the collapse of the rule of law. It's happened. Uh, he bought his way out of impeachment. He argues in court that he can't be investigated because he's the president. We aren't allowed to indict him because of the Office of Legal Counsel memo. And now Trump is trying to take away our last best hope of a check on his authoritarianism. He's allowing Russia to uh, assist him in the next election by having McConnell shoot down 10 election security bills and intentionally denying Russian attacks because they favor him. And he's already begun to pave the way of crying foul if he's beaten in November. Um, he's saying Russia is conspiring with the Democrats. And he's weakened every check on the executive, the courts, the Congress, the Senate, the intelligence community, impeachment, the Department of Justice, and now the vote, our last hope. If he wins in November, the SCOTUS is lost forever. I don't see a way back from that. Our only chance to do, to do anything is to show up in such massive numbers that we outnumber the cheat. So don't sit this one out. Don't write in your candidate because they didn't win. And stop attacking other Democrats because they like a different candidate. 
Mm-hmm. That's all I have to say about that. Yes. Incredibly bleak. Very well illustrated, but incredibly bleak. Yeah. Sorry about that. No, it's okay. I it's... was halfway through writing it like, when am I going to turn this around? I'm not. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, what you're listing out is the actions of a man and administration that is going to consolidate power and maximize executive power in any possible way that mm-hmm. they conceivably can. Just continuing to pump your picks into the positions that would usually hold those things accountable and keep creating new ways, and try trying to keep creating new ways to do that. I left out the Federal Election Commission. Jane Weintraub can't do anything, can't open an investigation because she doesn't have a quorum and she can't get one unless Trump's, uh, Trump appoints um, uh, federal election commissioners. Um, mm-hmm. And that would require also a Mitch McConnell Senate approval confirmation. Right. So that's not going to happen. Right. So... So I every think, check on him is has been infiltrated and destroyed. Yeah. I think, I mean, if anybody thought that there was any way back from this other than getting him out of office, you know, I think at this point you would know that you were mistaken in thinking that mm-hmm. because it's only going to keep going if he's still in the office. Get him out. And I'm also thinking we need to prioritize politicians who are very outspoken about separation of powers from here on out for the rest of our republic. Mm -hmm. Judges, local judges, like, fucking this can't continue to be acceptable in any way whatsoever. And we need to flip the Senate so that we can pass legislation to give these ethical norms some teeth. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And create laws and pass constitutional amendments if we need to. I know that's really hard and requires an insane threshold. But get, get... the biggest threshold we can get right now or the highest number of Democrats as we can in the Congress right now so we can shore up the Constitution and the courts and, and all of the institutions that serve to protect the separation of power so that mm-hmm. when the Republicans inevitably get back in again, because they will, that's just how the pendulum works, they don't have as easy of a time doing what they're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, I, I, we're so focused on on presidential politics right now, like you said, flipping the Senate is really important. The good news is there are the the people running against Republicans right now in the Senate are raising a lot of money, which is great. But yeah, particularly Amy McGrath, who's running against Mitch McConnell. If you're in Kentucky, donate to her. Yes. <laughs> yes. And if you're not, donate to her. <laughs> totally. Yeah. All right. We'll be right back to talk to Malcolm Nance about all of this. You won't want to miss it. So stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG. And one of the things I love about doing research for Muller She Wrote is the further you dig into a story, the more layers you uncover. And that's part of what I love about the puzzle game Best Fiends, because the more I play, the more fun it gets. Reaching each new level feels like uncovering a new layer in a story. And once you get to take part in it, it's awesome. And the best part is the longer you play Best Fiends, the more exciting it gets. Best Fiends is amazingly fun. It's an amazingly fun game uh, that is free to download the app. And Best Fiends combines an exciting story with challenging puzzles that engage your brain. But it's a casual game that anyone can play, which is good for me because I am not a gamer. That is like what I am not. If there's a list of things I am not, gamer is it. Um, But it's a five-star rated game. It has bright, vibrant design, fun characters, colors, calming. It's wonderful. They have great puzzles. Um, It's very relaxing, so it's nice to take a break. Uh, And you can collect tons of characters. You can level them up. And the great thing is you can spend as much or little time as you want in the game. Uh, I'm now on level, I think, 90-something which, uh, you know, I just, I love it. I Whenever I need a break from politics, I just play it. And um, they have thousands of levels already with new levels, events, and characters added every month. It's always fresh. Uh, and it doesn't require the internet to play. Uh, so I can play it on, you know, the plane or uh, on the subway or the metro. So with over 100 million downloads and tons of five-star reviews, Best Fiends is a must-play. So download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. 
So joining us today for the interview, uh, he has over 36 years of intelligence experience, including Russian cyber crimes. He's a four-time New York Times bestselling author, senior chief, MSNBC contributor, and a Jedi master. Please welcome Malcolm Nance back to the show. Malcolm, thanks for coming back on Mueller, She Wrote. It's my pleasure. I haven't seen you since, uh, I think, our, our uh, dinner at Politicon. That was a lot of fun, so I, I appreciate you coming on. And every day since, I've wondered when you're going to change the name of your show. <laughs> well, maybe not now. Because, <laughs> well, okay, so it appears what we've known all along, Russia is attacking our 2020 election on behalf of Trump. Uh, and that has been briefed to the House intelligence community. And it appears that, um, uh, you know, somebody ran and told Trump and he got mad. And now Rick Grinnell is going to be the director of national intelligence. Um, folks within these agencies have said this is a coincidence. Um, the, you know, the removal of the DNI and the ousting of, of pretty much anyone in the DOJ who had anything to do with the initial Russia investigation. What do you think about this? Well, for all your listeners, if any of you know me, there's this uh, dictum or that I call Nance's Law. And Nance's Law, the full name is Nance's Law of Intelligence Kismet. And that means that the phrase coincidence, coincidence takes a lot of planning. That's Nance's law, right? There is no such thing as coincidence in my world, in the intelligence world. Uh, that went away with Ian Fleming's uh, once is happenstance, twice is coincidence, three times is enemy action. Now, twice is enemy action. So these things that we're, we're seeing now with Donald Trump and, and putting in Ambassador Grinnell to head in a dual-headed role, director of national intelligence, it's just not going to happen because you cannot wear the hat of U.S. ambassador to Germany, our third largest partner, and then try to do this job. This is a full-time job. Number two, just reading him in to the classified programs would take him about two weeks. And I mean, that's if they just handed each folder to him and let him read it for five minutes. I mean, this job requires, one, intelligence professionalism, two, the ability to know what you're reading, and three, knowing what you're reading and understanding how that works within the apparatus of 18 intelligence agencies. So if he's thinking that he's just going to go to cocktail parties and call himself, you know, director of national and acting director of national intelligence, well, he had better know why the Coast Guard is out off of Colombia boarding Colombian drug smuggling submarines and why, you know, uh, the, the production of ball bearings in southwestern China may or may not be related to an invasion of Taiwan. This guy doesn't have it. He is a political hack. He's coming in as a commissar. And I think it's going to be hilarious trying to hear him explain things uh, and, you know, considering that all he has proven himself to be in Germany was someone that the Germans themselves thought should have his credentials stripped and sent back to the United States so that they wouldn't have to deal with him. 
we'd reported on that uh, as well. And and the the concern here is, you know, first of all, for our listeners who don't know, the Office of Director of National Intelligence was put, was created after 9-11 to help coordinate intelligence amongst those 18 intelligence agencies, uh, including the DNI, ODNI. And it's it, you, every single person who's headed up that operation has had multiple decades of experience, either in intelligence or in the military. And so this not only weakens our 2020 election security, but also doesn't it weaken all terrorist issues, all terrorism issues? Yeah, it weakens virtually everything the United States is doing because we don't have a single decision maker who is up there helping, you know, uh, smooth the lines of, of, of analysis and operations between the, um, the 18 intelligence agencies. The reason this was done was because for a long while, the director of the CIA uh, acted as sort of the, the clearinghouse for other agencies because human intelligence and CIA operations were so prevalent. Then in post 9-11 world, we found that, you know, FBI law enforcement, signals intelligence, uh, analy- you know, analytical processes that were coming from the State Department. Bureau of Intelligence and Research, these things were not being factored together to give us a full-spectrum picture of the bad guys. And it was necessary that the president have someone who could do all of that while the director of the CIA went out and, you know, carried out human intelligence operations against the bad guys. What you're having now is you've got a cocktail party guy who is going to be filling that job so Donald Trump can gain control of intelligence and then lie to the nation and withhold information that may not that may prove or not benefit him politically. What that will do, and I've said this in the news media all the time, that will kill people. And what's amazing is, like I said, I was just in a radio program where we had call-in people. We had people who, who literally were who were saying. You all need, we can't trust you at the top. Well, you know, the intelligence community doesn't make decisions. The consumer of intelligence, the, Na- the National Security Council, the, the Congress, the White House, the president, they make the decisions. And those decisions by national decision makers are supposed to be formed on the basis of their ability to read and then be or accept briefings and to understand that what we give you is the best knowledge of the collective American information experience that has been running nonstop since the Culper spy ring in 1776. Donald Trump does not believe in that. He believes Vladimir Putin over our own intelligence agencies. He believes North Korea a communist murdering dictator over our intelligence community. And, you know, this has been said for a very long time. He said he thinks spies are dirty mm. because he's, he, look, he runs the nation like a mafia state. So, you know, to him, NSA collection against ISIS operatives in, you know, um, in Khorasan, in, you know, uh, Asadabad, Afghanistan to him, is the equivalent of the FBI doing wiretaps on his staff. And that's insane. What tells me is a mind who should not be anywhere near anything that has to do with the control of this apparatus. 
So now, and like you said, not only do we have someone with no intelligence experience in Grinnell leading the intelligence community, meanwhile, we have Durham, someone else with no experience, trying to investigate the sharing of intelligence that led to the work product that Russia interfered in our elections. I mean, how can you even send somebody, you put somebody in charge who doesn't know anything, and you put somebody investigating it who doesn't know anything? I know. It's absolutely screwy, isn't it? Um, And this is what happens. What you're seeing here with Donald Trump is quite simple. You are watching him essentially trying to build bar um, the intelligence community. He doesn't care anything about the intelligence product. He doesn't care about that at all. All he cares about is that information which could be damaging to him, that he has the ability to control it and take it apart. And he doesn't want it being shared with what he thinks are his political enemies. Here's the best part about this. I mean, with Durham, Durham is at least working within the parameters of a of the Justice Department guidelines. And here's what he's going to find. Nothing. And, you know, here's he found that out with the FBI. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what you're going to find here with Donald Trump is trying to bill bar this process. He was angry simply because after, for God's sake, three years he does not understand what congress does and he was angry that adam schiff was in the room for a congressional briefing and that by law that the intelligence community must tell the gang of eight the exact same intelligence the president of the United States should get. He doesn't understand it. It's like standing in front of somebody whose house is on fire and he's upset that they're using water to spray onto the fire because he doesn't think firemen are working in his interest. It's crazy talk. And what he is doing is he's now trying to pull a solid Putin. Look, Putin controlled the intelligence community when he came in. But what the first thing he did was try to get control of the news media. And he did that. And he just started putting his own political commissars in the news media. And they stopped doing, you know, information and they, you know, to the public. And they started playing, you know, balalaika shows. So Donald Trump thinks I can do this with Bill Barr and justice. I can do it to the intelligence community. The problem with the intelligence community is they're not going to be daunted. If something that's dirty about the president of the United States or Russian intelligence comes across my desk, it's going up the chain of command. It's very hard to stop product within the intelligence system because it is shared on a hundred different servers as part of a cloud network, right? Mm. Which means it doesn't go away, it can't be erased, and it's going to make its way out to Congress at some point. Now, how, how do you think the IC is going to respond to this, specifically to the order that in order to investigate the president for, you know, uh, for election stuff that, uh, you know, it has to be handwritten, permi- you know, permission from from Bill Barr? How do you think the IC is going to respond to that? Well, first off, you know, it was always sort of that way. Yeah. An investigation into the president of the United States required a judge's court order. And let me tell you something. There is a big difference between Bill Barr and the Constitution of the United States, right? Mm. And so if I'm, you know, if I'm running my operations and I come across some incidental collection, uh, let's say I have 
Igor Prigozhin talking to the director of the FSB, and that's passed on to me through an allied intelligence agency, and they say, oh, hells yeah, we're going to put Donald Trump back into office. You know what? That stuff's getting reported. It's going to get transcribed, and it's going into the big system. Will it involve an investigation of the president of the United States? That is outside the ability to collect. That, I mean, the IC does its job, right? They're like firemen. They are constantly either training, operating, or running out and putting out fires. What you can't do is say, well, you cannot answer 911 calls anymore. <laughs> you can say it, but guess what's going to happen? They're going out on the next call. So Bill Barr can only try for the next nine months to try to put his thumb on the scale of justice. But you know what? I don't know if you noticed it. That scale has two sides. And when you slam down on one side, the other side generally comes up and smacks you in the back of the head. <laughs> awesome. Well, that, that uh, makes me feel a little bit better. Uh, about, uh, you know, our, our men and women in the intelligence community keeping us safe. I really appreciate you coming on and talking to us today. Any final thoughts about this, uh, you know, Russia 2 election boogaloo? Well, it's not like we, it's not like I didn't write three books on this. <laughs> and the last, you know, the plot to betray, the plot to hack America, the plot to destroy democracy, and the plot to betray America, which is about Team Trump doing this in national security in order to get elected again. These people are now operating like mafiosi, if I can, uh, you know, quote uh, Sarah Kenzie or, uh, you know, they are a criminal kleptocracy uh, operating and pretending they're a government. And in doing that, they think they are the masters of the universe and that they can just screw with power and things will bend to their will. Well, the other part of democracy is it's not only messy, it's shared information. So, you know, if they don't want a pallet of raw intelligence dropping off in front of the New York Times, uh, they would stop this silliness. But they're not. So a pallet of information is going to drop in front of the New York Times. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, that's good to know. And uh, thank you for, uh, you know, talking me off the ledge. MSNBC contributor, intel expert in Russia, cyber crimes and everything else. New York Times bestselling author, senior chief Malcolm Nance. Thank you again for coming on Mueller. She wrote. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. That is our show. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for being patrons if you're a patron. Thank you for subscribing. If you can't be a patron right now, I totally understand. Got to send that money off to your favorite candidate. Uh, and gosh, anybody have any final thoughts? I have a final thought. Yeah, go for it. Um, some of you have heard I'm working on a new separate podcast. That's going to be me and my co-host, Steve Shostak, who had made an <laughs> appearance on Roller She Wrote. And it was quite the controversial appearance. But... The podcast is called I Disagree, and the premise is that Steve and I disagree on a lot of things, as you saw if you Pretty listen much to the episode. Yep. <laughs> and we get other comics on, and we talk about uh, topics you know, that are typical disagreeable topics, and it's more lighthearted and less news-heavy, but it's ideally going to be an example of how people can disagree with each other or talk about tough things, or we'll talk about how people can't talk about things, and... Just an enjoyable examination, I guess, of having conflict with another person. Neat. Mm. Thank By you. comics. Yes. Cool. But anyway, we are releasing uh, next week. So if you want to get in on the action early, 
You can follow us on Twitter at the I Disagree Pod, and we also have a Patreon set up for patreon.com slash I Disagree Podcast, where you get to submit topics for us to disagree on. And I'm very excited for it, and I'm not going anywhere at all. This is just a side project where I get to, you know, don't freak not out. think about incredibly depressing news for an hour of my life. Right, like I do the awful D&D, I do awful neutral. Yes. You're doing this. You're just running mm-hmm. yours. I don't run mine. Exactly. Rad. So yeah, we'd, we'd love for you to check it out. Yay. Yay. Um, my final thought is just that we are, the primaries are rolling on. Please give your money or your time. Shit's getting real. It is real. You know, shit is real. It got real. Shit is, it, it got real. Shit We're real. in the shit pot right shit. now. We're in a boiling pot of shit. Oh. So. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome for that visual like and swamp of eternal, the bog of eternal stench is what that reminds bog me. Bog of eternal stench. Little um, friend. So yeah, I'm going to go canvas a little bit more. And uh, if you can do that, do that. Yep. And if you, if you, unless your state is already gone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're in, in an upcoming case, state. You can still phone bank for your candidate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. Do it. Can you? Democracy. Actually, you can, right? You can make calls from another state, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. We. Telephone. Barbershop. Anybody remember those guys? I do. Yeah. Sesame Street. Okay. Anyway, thank you all so much for listening. Please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. I've been AG. I've been Jordan Coburn. I've been Amanda Reader. And this is Muller She Wrote. Muller She Wrote is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn with engineering and editing by Mackenzie Mazel and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, production and social media direction is by Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder, and our knowledgeable listeners. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios, and our website is MullerSheWrote.com. M.S.W. Media. <laughs>